0: You're not referring thinking that this patient has an 80% chance of having a cancer. We're referring thinking that this patient has maybe a 5% or even slightly less chance of having a cancer. Hi,
1: this is GPs Talk Cancer brought to you by Gateway C. I'm Dr Rebecca Leon and joining me through this podcast is Dr Sarah Taylor. We are both practicing GPs and GP leads for Gateway C. We're both passionate about diagnosing cancer early. And in this podcast, we want to share our clinical experiences with you so you can make better, faster and more confident cancer diagnosis in primary care. So there's some official stuff to make you aware of. We know this podcast might be of interest to anybody, but it is really aimed at primary care health professionals. And although all patient cases are based on real stories from our clinical practices GPs, they are fully anonymised with no identifiable patient data. Gateway C is funded by the NHS and is part of the Christie NHS Foundation Trust. So official bit done and dusted, kettles on. It's now time to sit back and join us for today's podcast. With us today we have Ellen back, who's a junior doctor working alongside us at Gateway C. She is working remotely in Scotland and you're doing okay?
2: I'm doing very well, yeah. The rain has stopped and, uh yes, yeah, sun has come out.
1: Excellent. Okay.
2: And Sarah, how are things with you?
0: Well, I'm still tracking my bag, but I'm hoping that it'll be at home soon. Great. Okay. So lots of washing to do later. Mm. So kettle's
1: on. I've just made a pot of tea. Hope that's okay for everybody. Yep. And we are going to start our next podcast, which is quite an exciting one because it's a,
0: a fairly... New discussed topic on vague symptoms. Mm. Or more specifically, non-specific symptoms, because there was a lot of debate when this all started as to what this pathway should be called. And the suggestion was that patients didn't like vague because it sounded like we didn't know what we were talking about, which there may be a little bit of that, but actually it is because it's non-site specific.
1: I think you're right about the vague thing. I think vague also makes us that we're not really taking them seriously as well. So non-specific So the couple of cases we're going to be talking this morning, Sarah, I want you to lead on these cases, because these are actually two cases that you have seen recently. Um, So just tell us the first one. Um, It was about a 68-year-old, you said.
0: Yeah, so it's a lady who came in to see me who had had a knee replacement, and she came in to get some painkillers, it was quite some time ago now as well, before COVID, and we've used her um, to design our clinics in Greater Manchester because we sort of think we've used her as our flagship patient. So she came in, she wanted some painkillers. She as she left, she said, well, "I've just lost a little bit of weight, but I think it's because I'm not moving very much because I've had the knee replacement." And I thought, well, that's a little bit odd, isn't it? Because if she's not moving very much, I would have expected her to put on some weight. And she um, and we, I sort of did a Systems inquiry checked whether she had any other symptoms. She didn't have any other symptoms at all apart from the weight loss. Um, she was a smoker, she's a 68 year old lady. I actually, on the day she was with me, I had a medical student sitting in with me and we, would, we talked about it. I said, well, you yeah, know, she'd lost quite a significant amount of weight. She'd gone from remember now she'd gone from 52 to 47 kilos so she was a little lady to start off with and she'd lost quite a a significant amount of um, weight and we taught and I said you know she could have I think she could have a lung she could have a upper or lower GI cancer, she could have an ovarian cancer, she could have a hematological cancer, Um, she could have a pancreatic cancer. And I always, every time I list this, even though I know what she had, I would say renal as the last one because she had, um, and and actually she turned out to have a renal cancer. But I referred her on a lower gi pathway because at the time that was all that was on offer but actually if i'd put her details into the q cancer her highest chance of having a cancer was of a lung cancer because she was a smoker so actually what the non site specific pathways are doing now is giving us a one stop place to refer this patient so what we did was we we i spoke to her i took the history arranged some blood tests everything I think, came back normal. And then she was sent on with the results of the blood tests. Now, the blood test would definitely include a fit. Uh, not the blood test, because it's not a blood test, is it? But the, the tests would include a fit. In some areas, it might include a chest X-ray. In other areas, it won't. And then the patients are filtered into a clinic where there is no assumption that they are likely to have any specific cancer. And it's just a sort of let's think about this really broadly and work out what's going on. So my patient didn't go to a non-specific clinic but actually it would have been the best place for her to go because we've got some data haven't we that you know patients tend to have long if they don't go in on the right pathway first off they have a longer journey.
1: Yeah and and this patient I could probably name five at the top of my head where it's just they come in an an older patient with aches and pains but actually it's that Again, what we've talked about on other podcasts, that extra question, almost asking, have you you know, any weight changes, appetite, those kind of things, um, bowels okay, urinary symptoms, it's almost those vague questions that you ask and it could start to think, actually, why are they asking for painkillers and why are they losing weight? So if this patient, Jackie, had come along when you had these non specific sorry, non specific symptom clinics I
0: would have referred her you there. Would referred I would there. have definitely, yeah. I, yeah, I'd have done the bloods. So I'd have referred her there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and she ended up with a renal cancer. She did, yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, we, we, we've, there's a lot of discussion about what symptoms warrant referral. And again, that does vary slightly by clinics across the country. But actually, my general feeling is that any patient where you can't have a reasonably good first stab at what cancer you're concerned about you should think about referring here so I think the patients with normal investigations and abdominal pain weight loss is the classic one you know weight loss is you've got weight loss it could be almost anything so I think that that's my sort of that's my definition. Yeah and a a
1: real bugbear of mine is is if we send a patient you sent this lady down the two-week colorectal route we get a a colonoscopy report to say that, that they've not found a cancer there's never in secondary care almost but what is it there is something going on Let, let's refer to another area it's very much back to gp and then out yeah, again yeah and i
0: think that's what these clinics have been designed to avoid is to yeah. give that no you can never say a complete yes no to cancer but really to give a yes no to cancer and then refer on if the patient does have a site-specific cancer to the right pathway because these patients you know it is just more difficult isn't it yeah. if you've not got a, a clear idea to start off with it is quite difficult to do absolutely okay so that was jackie
1: the other patient i wanted to talk about and then we can go into more
0: detail with some points of discussion after that was he was actually again a bit like we talked about a couple of weeks ago or we don't talked about previously was he was a patient who he was actually the grandfather of one of my daughter's friends um, and he had back pain he was in his mid late 50s and he had back pain and he was a lorry driver and he went to see his GP and the GP said it's because you're a lorry driver and but actually a bit like we talk about quite a lot he then having never ever been to see the GP really over the course of a few weeks went to two or three different A&E departments called the out of hours out two or three different times because he had really severe back pain and in the end I think they ended up seeing um, somebody privately who did an MR scan who found that he'd got bone mets Um, and I think I don't think I think he he died so quickly that he actually his cancer wasn't diagnosed but I think it's again it was a non-specific symptom but it was rapidly worsening um, and he was seeing people very Frequently, and I think it's one of the things that's quite difficult for us now is that you don't necessarily have. If he'd been to see a physio as well, which he might have done, I can't remember, but if he'd been to see GP out of hours, two or three different A and E departments, and a physio, do we necessarily, in our practice, know that he's be that his three strikes and you're in includes lots of different settings? So I think, although, now I suspect that even if he'd been diagnosed. Six eight weeks earlier, it wouldn't have made a massive difference to his outcome. Although his palliative care might have been yeah, better, I think yeah. that there's a learning from it that actually you just need to know the absolutely the full story. And if you don't know the full story, you're a bit stuck.
1: So in our practice, um, I I lead on all kind of cancer-related diagnoses and, and any late presentations, I look back at them retrospectively. And this would be one that we'd look at and say, what could we have done differently? And, um, and actually one that's coming to mind of a patient who was presenting um, with kind of vague Chest pain and ended up being a we thought it was cost costochondritis, and somebody else went down a esophageal spasm route and ended up having a, a lung cancer. So it's it's fine in in hindsight. And with it with this particular patient with back pain, how many back pains do we see? Mechanical back pain. You've got a man in his mid fifties who's a lorry driver. You think about all those hours he's driving, and it, it's it's really really difficult. And and I think with back pain, in, again, it would be the red flag symptoms that would be seen straight away but it's when all these different areas need to come together like the prescribing team needs to say well actually um he's asking for a lot of painkillers but then is he going to the pharmacist to get the over the counter stuff we're not going to know that we're not going to get the out of hours notes necessarily and the A&E notes and all of and the physio notes so again it's just taking a very good history
0: doing a good examination and safety netting. Yeah, I think and it's what Ellen asked right in our first podcast is, you know, what do you do if you if the investigations aren't reliable? Um because actually it's perfectly possible that you could have done a full range of blood tests on a an x-ray and not shown anything in this patient. Um you're not as old as I am and I know you're younger than I am to have that uh, that sort of the same amount of gut instinct because you haven't seen as many patients. What do you do? I think you have to ask really really thorough histories and the bits and pieces that people so you know we always ask does anything make it worse does anything make it better but that whole how many painkillers are you taking where are you getting them from who else have you been to see all of those things you know is it getting better is it getting worse all of these things are really important aren't they and they give you a fuller picture and i think that's the whole of the vague symptoms non-site specific symptoms things because they are going to be much more difficult to pin down
1: so when we go back to these this new pathway for non-specific symptoms, I sent you a text, didn't I, a week or so ago, Sarah, and said, in my area in East Cheshire, what do I do? And you said, unfortunately, they're not available there at the moment. So, for for people listening for this, and and for people who are are not maybe in the areas that that are able to refer into this, what what would I have done with our lorry driver?
0: Wow, well, think your lorry driver. I I think. Having spent a long time doing this cancer referral stuff and doing pathways, I think I would now probably refer to the lung teams with that sort of patient because lung, you know, assuming he had normal PSA, which is another of cause of bone mets. I think just, but, but that might just be because my experience is that I have a really helpful local lung team and that they would be the best people to refer so, to. But I think just to ref- reassure everybody that the non specific pathways are a, NHS England initiative and they I think it's by March next year March 24 there should be national coverage so everybody should have access to one by March of next year and I think that it's something that I would be asking if you haven't got it I think I'd be asking. When but you're it's absolutely
1: right though from an educational point of view by knowing which particular cancer types spread to bones which could therefore cause um, and you're thinking of lung and prostate, which are the obvious ones. Prostate, you know, if it was a, a woman, you'd think breast, and if it was, you know, um, prostate. So actually, by doing a PSA, doing a full history on urinary symptoms, etc., checking for the prostate, and I'm, and I'm making sure that you actually write all of this down in your notes as well. And so, yeah, sending for a chest
0: X-ray would probably be appropriate. Yeah, I think so, and I think that, that those whole list of first tests are useful. They they're important aren't they you need to know whether the patient's got a raised ca125 you need to know whether the patient's got an iron deficiency anemia raised platelets that we've talked about before Um, you probably need to dipstick the urine you need to do a psa in a man you definitely need to do a fit Um, you need to be checking all of these things so you've got a full picture because that then makes it easier once the patient's referred on to the non-site specific clinic for them to make the assessment as to what's going on and again like we've talked about before you don't you're not referring thinking that this patient has an 80% chance of having a cancer we're referring thinking that this patient has maybe a five percent or even slightly less chance of having a cancer so you're just referring to get an exclusion yes uh, exclusion absolutely. often and and not always but you know you, you need to be able to exclude a cancer and most patients then when they get to the clinic will have a CT thorax abdopelvis and that will give you a much clearer idea as to what's going on.
1: Okay. So just talking about as part of the referral criteria, can you just talk about just some of the symptoms which would make us think about referring to this particular clinic?
0: Well I think the classic one, when we've looked at it, the, the classic referral symptom is weight loss. Um, unintentional. A- and unintentional weight loss. Um, I think it's nominal I think it's about five percent over the preceding is it four months I think it's and I think most of these symptoms you'd expect somebody to have had them for about four weeks so weight loss is the classic one um, abdominal pain iron deficiency anemia is included in some pathways but not all of them persistent pain a lot of them will have a box for um, GP gut instinct or persistent patient or family concern and, and actually when you look at it the GP gut instinct box is one of the ones that's used quite frequently and is quite reliable um, the most common cancers found are lung pancreatic and lymphoma um, and the pickup rate is still in line with all of the other non uh, the other site-specific clinics so we're obviously referring the right patients um, and there's a need for this so we are actually getting it right um, and refer is not is not that The pickup rate in these clinics is 1% because it's quite difficult to do. Actually, I think GPs are quite good at assimilating and other primary care professionals, assimilating all the information and working out which patients they're concerned about.
1: Yeah, and um, I think the tests that we do in primary care, and we've got a lot more now at our fingertips, what tests would you have organised before or almost alongside sending in for the nss the non-specific symptom clinic what would you do
0: I suppose yeah i think if you got i mean you'll do you as you do your full blood count um for anemia raised platelets you do your liver and renal function i think it's worth um, most of the time if you've got somebody with weight loss you need to think about the other obvious things i don't want to be sending a 35 year old who's got a new onset of hyperthyroidism or yeah. celiac yeah. Um, so you do a thyroid functions T T G as well. I think it's worth dipsticking the urine.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I think it's worth doing a fit. Um, yeah. I think there's a little bit of debate as to whether or not you do a chest X ray because most of these patients, obviously the chest X ray isn't 100 percent reliable, and most of these patients will have a CT thorax when they get That's there. That's their workup. Yeah. So I think, it, it, but I think that, that opinion on that varies, and I think, it, yeah, I think it just depends on. Circumstance. If you've got a very heavy smoker, then you might do. If it's yeah, you, yeah, I think it just depends. And then
1: probably a, maybe a PSA and a CA one two five. appropriate. totally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And again, we've discussed this in other podcasts. Kind of, are you quite open with your patients as far as that that you're not sure what's happening and you want to rule out something?
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I I tend to say, my my. I think you were talking last time about what you say. I tend to say. It depends on my level of concern. If I'm really concerned, I will tell them. So yeah. occasionally I've seen women with breast lumps and I've been really concerned and I've told them that I'm really quite concerned about it. Often I'll say, I, I'm not 100% sure what's causing this and I need to be quite sure and I think you probably want me to be quite sure so we're going to look into things and sometimes I talk, depending on the patient, I'll talk about, you know, the fact that we refer with 3 5% risk and say, you know, that means that the majority of the patients that I refer won't have a cancer, yeah. but... We need to be sure,
1: but with some patients who you worry may not turn up, sometimes you need to almost say, "I think this could be very serious." Yeah, so you almost have to. Again, it, 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 it's, it, it's very it's much dependent on the patient, isn't it? Is, it is. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: If you've got somebody who you think won't turn up, then yeah, you sometimes need to be a bit more, yeah, direct.
1: Ellen, um, when it comes to kind of safety netting patients, um, from your hospital jobs and from the work that you've done with us etc do you think it's it's important to be honest with the patient
2: oh yeah a hundred percent um I'm at least if I were the patient or it was my family member that's what I would want I would want to know that exactly what the thinking process was behind any decisions that were being made and I think it's always worse to go into a situation and to be surprised by bad news um, than it would be to be kind of a little bit prepared that that's a possibility and then I think as well patients don't take in as much as we think they take in and so even if you kind of think that the patient has an idea they might have less of an idea than you think they do because they've not actually processed what's been said to them before or they've just kind of been in a bit of denial and just not really taking stuff in or being in a lot of stress. And so yeah, I think it's best, you know, to to reiterate as well, there is some concern if you are really concerned and then you know that you're on the same page as the patient, the whole way through their journey and they're not suddenly hit with really bad news and kind of saying, Why haven't you why didn't you warn me that this was a possibility? And yeah. Absolutely. I think that's really
0: important with these clinics as well actually because a lot of them are run as one-stop clinics so the patient will go and have the CT scan and the result in the same day and so if you haven't got any of that um, firstly they need to be warned that they could be at the hospital for quite a long time um, and that they may have investigations on the same day and they may have results on the same day so I think that if you haven't given any sort of warning shot that you have a concern that can be really difficult can't it And you know, maybe don't take somebody with you
1: absolutely you... it's taking or getting the lift there and not driving and etc and, um, and having somebody to support you and again we talk about the GP gut instinct which is something or the GP's nose that starts twitching the more experience the more patients you see the more understanding and, and looking back retrospectively at cases and things I think your GP gut instinct
0: increases yeah
1: was there anything anything else that you wanted to cover?
0: I mean I think this is all this is, this is the place where it, a lot of the stuff that we we talk about all the time is so important, isn't it? It's the it's the clear questioning, it's the safety netting because, you know, the weight loss, if the weight loss has been going on for two weeks, well, are we that concerned? But if it's gone on it goes on for another two or four weeks mm. then we might be. So I think it's it's that clear questioning and it's that clear safety netting that I think is so important in this because it is it is by definition more difficult than some of the site-specific stuff.
1: Okay. So finally, we'd like to, before I go on to the, the key clinical points, um, I just want to talk about something that we uh, were chatting over coffee earlier. Um, I'm a new dog owner, of five and a half years, and she's pretty special, and um, so I'm on this, you know, this thing now that dogs are great. But we know that dogs have been helping um, with. Know, barrels of rum around their necks and and um all sorts of things yeah and and you know guide dogs and all the other things but now there's talk about that actually dogs can potentially sniff out a can- cancer and um there was an article talking about whether G- in gp surgeries dogs should be there almost um <laughs> wandering, seeing, around. <laughs> wandering around and picking out those patients that need to be seen sooner rather than others i don't run that late um and um Uh, Again, it there needs to be a lot of research with this, and and I know there has been better figures with amongst breast cancer
0: patients, but... To, and you'd and, have to be and, quite careful, wouldn't you, because, you know, yeah. if you've got I you know Doe and I have both got Labradors if you let your Labrador go around, they'd, they'd love it, but they'd be sniffing out all the snacks, exactly. wouldn't they? Exactly,
1: and we will look into this a bit more, and um, well, just so we're going to get anywhere, but we can, we can have a look. We're not. It's but, interesting, but it's, it's a nice it, but thought. It's interesting, and, and I do like hearing things like that. So, um, So, that's my kind of fun discussion rather than fun fact today. Back to our key clinical points, Rustle of paper I'm going to get shouted at. So you start with the
0: first one. Yeah I think that there are. there's a cohort of patients with non-site specific symptoms of whom there is a cancer pick up rate of about 8% um, and the patients with these tumours tend to present later um, and we need good pathways and good ways of managing them. Okay and hopefully East Cheshire's the next one you're going to look at um, <laughs> not my responsibility
1: <laughs> um, So with with all patients that, that we're seeing whether there's a potential diagnosis, there needs to be a set of pre-referral tests. Um, Sarah talked about possible blood tests, whether a chest x-ray would be appropriate, fit testing, maybe a urine dipstick. So these will support the
0: referral to the NSS pathway and exclude other potential causes. And I think the other thing is just to consider the NSS pathway in any patient who's got unexplained, non-specific symptoms and by that... My personal criteria is any symptom where you can't be reasonably sure what you're concerned about at the first thing. So the typical ones are weight loss, um, lethargy and GP gut instinct.
2: Great. Ellen, was there anything else that you wanted to add? Yeah, just what we spoke about, about being really clear throughout the process, why you're referring patients, what you're concerned about and the possibility that they may end up with a cancer diagnosis. Certainly informing patients that you're referring them on a cancer pathway. Absolutely. Good. Well, thank you very
1: much to both of you. And I will see you next time. And thank you for listening today to this podcast from Gateway C. I also want to thank our producers, Louise Harbord from Gateway C and Jo Newsome from Rethink Audio. Alongside this podcast, we have a free non-specific module, which is available on the Gateway C website. This is available for all healthcare professionals. All references to the studies and guidelines we've discussed will be in our show notes. And we really look forward to seeing you next time on our next podcast on breast cancer. Before we go, I wanted to just clear up and discuss the positive predictive value, which is something that we touch on in a few of the episodes. The positive predictive value was used to determine the threshold to encourage clinicians to refer on for a suspected cancer pathway or for urgent tests and this was agreed at three percent for more information we have attached the link via the show notes and this is through the NICE guidelines and I would encourage all listeners to have a look at this and understand this in more detail please follow and share this podcast with any friends and colleagues as it really helps spread the word